Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's show, we have a coaching call with Ron, who's been freelancing on Fiverr for over 10 years, and he's done quite well for himself. Ron gets a ton of new business from Fiverr, but he's worried about two things. First, it can be difficult to build long-term relationships with clients on Fiverr, and second, if there was an algorithm adjustment or some other unforeseen change, Ron's entire business would disappear. So he's ready to start building his own processes in addition to the work he does on Fiverr. We start off with some great tips from Ron about succeeding on Fiverr in the first place, and then guest coach and friend of mine, Chelsea Baldwin, and I chime in with our best advice for expanding away from marketplaces like Fiverr. We'll get started right after this quick message. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance rules restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. I'm Preston Lee with Milo.co and excited to have with me on the air today my friend Chelsea. Chelsea, hi. Welcome. Thanks for, for filling in today for Clay. He's not able to be with us. Yeah, thanks for asking me to come. I'm excited to be here again. Yeah, absolutely. In just a minute, we're going to meet our guest Ron, but Chelsea, before we do that, can you give the listeners, you know, I know you've been on the show a few times before, but if anyone listening isn't familiar with you, tell us about your business, um, what kind of work you do, and and really, really sell yourself here. Tell them why I love having you as a guest on the show. Yeah, okay. Um, well, my name is Chelsea. I am a copywriter. So my history is in writing, journalism, copywriting. Um, yeah, I've just been writing online for over a decade now. And I transitioned that into freelance back in the last recession when it was hard to get a job, especially in print media. They just were not hiring. Um, So I learned a lot about writing for the internet and how to use writing on the internet to uh, help businesses meet their goals. So that has been my focus of almost everything I've been doing over the last 10 years, even though I've done like a handful of different things. So I have my own copywriting business at getcopypower.com. Um, so I offer services there. I teach people how to write there, even if they're not writers, um, just you know, helping people understand how writing works with business on the web. Does that make sense? Yes, perfect. And I have turned to Chelsea a few times when I've wondered, like, how do I, I know we've had conversations about like, how do, how do you convert um, 
one-time clients into like recurring revenue clients. I know you have a lot to to share on that. You just, I feel like every time I have a question about like going from freelancing to building an agency, you're one of a handful of people who have experienced it enough that you really know what you're talking about. So I know I can rely on like some good answers and some actionable advice. So anyway, welcome Chelsea, excited to have you. And Ron, you're really in for a treat here um, to have Chelsea as our our, uh, guest co-host. Let's let's introduce you, Ron. Uh, we're chatting with Ron today from. I'm trying to remember. Did you say from Boston? Baltimore, actually, Baltimore. Oh, I'm sorry, from Baltimore. That's okay. okay. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Colin from Baltimore, and we're going to chat a little bit about his business today. Ron, why don't you tell us quickly um, what you're working on, what your business looks like right now? Sure. First, of all, I want to say thanks for having me, Preston and Chelsea. It's nice to meet you. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. Yeah, so really my business is more or less, I'm a seller on Fiverr. And I've been selling on Fiverr since 2011. So pretty much my 10-year anniversary is coming up. And I've been selling on Fiverr full-time. I used to work, uh, do some Fiverr stuff part-time when I was working a full-time job. And probably since 2015, about that time, I've been doing Fiverr full-time and I've become top-rated seller. Um, I am very successful on the platform. My entire living is from Fiverr and I'm very blessed and I enjoy the Fiverr experience. They're a great company. Um, They've done great things for me. So I'm really happy about it. Now, 90% of what I do on Fiverr is being a spokesperson. So if you have a business, say Preston or Chelsea, and you wanted to hire me to talk about your business and all the benefits and features and how it, 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 helps to, you know, how you help resolve the customer's pain. I kind of do that more or less for YouTube videos, internet commercials, that kind of thing. So what I want to do is, and you you guys say this all the time, is I shouldn't have all my eggs in one basket. Fiverr's great, mm. but if they were to get bought by uh, another company and close down or I the algorithm changes and I don't show up anymore, my business crashes to the ground and I have nothing left. So I'm, mm. I want to talk with you guys about how to transition from the platform that's Fiverr onto doing my own agency videos and those types of things. Okay, that's perfect. I think that's going to make for a great conversation today. I know there's lots of freelancers who are only using marketplaces. And you're right, like that's a, that's a major risk. If you don't have your own autonomous system set up, you're right. All it takes is a, a severe algorithm change, an acquisition. Um, you know, some bad press about Fiverr so that clients don't use it as much. Now, I don't foresee any of that happening. I actually, uh, for all of the <laughs> for all of the bad hype that Fiverr gets, I actually really like Fiverr as a company. I think it's a great place to get started as a freelancer to learn how to work with clients. Like, there's a lot of upside to freelancer, but like you said. Yeah, it can be really dangerous to have all your eggs in that one basket. So I, I, I'm excited to chat about that. Maybe before we do that, uh, if you'd be okay with it, Ron, I'd love. I know there are listeners who are maybe thinking like, "Wow, I was never able to get my Fiverr account off the ground," or "Or I'm still struggling to get my Fiverr account off the ground." Like, do you have a couple quick pieces of advice for listeners who are in that stage where? They're looking at you and going, man, I'd love to be a top seller on Fiverr. I'd love to do you know, full-time, make full-time revenue through Fiverr. Do you have any advice for them? I sure do. Um, it's a great question. And I get this question a lot from various people who want to get into sure. Fiverr and become that top-rated seller and, and kind of make a living because there's nothing, beat, nothing beats doing your own thing and working mm-hmm. for hours, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, basically, I would say the first thing is make sure that whatever 
service that you sell, make sure it's something that you like. Because I tried doing Fiverr with certain tasks and services that I didn't like, and it became uh, abysmal. It was worse than working a job. So the first thing Mm. is make sure that the service that you have, you actually enjoy it. Um, For me, it's video. I love doing video. And that's kind of the niche that I found. The second thing is, is if you're just starting, the best thing to do is to classify yourself as either top tier, premier, or try to, because you need to get more reviews. Because once you start getting juice on the Fiverr algorithm, and by juice, I mean, once you start getting a sale, you start getting reviews, you start getting uh, feedback and stars and all these other kinds of things, the algorithm starts to realize that you're someone who is doing a great job. So you start, they start to push you out. So in the beginning, what I suggest is try to be extremely competitive. So if you're a logo designer, and logo designers are, it's flooded the Fiverr marketplace. Mm-hmm. But if you're a logo designer, try to not necessarily undercut the price, but add things that other people don't. So for instance, if there's two logo designers, one that has 5,000 stars and you're just starting, and you're both doing a logo for 100 bucks, maybe you do a logo for 100 bucks, but you do it in two days instead of seven, or you do three logos instead of one. So really try to compete as best you can in that marketplace, either on price or value-added services with that, that no one else is delivering. The other thing I would say is this, and this is going to sound cliche, Preston, but customer service is what it's all about. Fiverr's algorithm, though they're very secretive about it, the, the, the general consensus is whatever it takes to make the customer happy, that's what they want. So that means mm-hmm. responding to your messages as quickly as possible. Their, their, their statistic is 24 hours. I would do it in a lot less than that. Uh, they want to make sure that you're responding to customers. When someone makes an order and you want to deliver in seven days, deliver sooner. Because if you deliver sooner than the seven days, that's a trigger to Fiverr that you're actually delivering better value to the customer. You're delighting the customer. And the more customers that are happy on Fiverr, that's what they want. It's better press for Fiverr. Right. And of course, they're going to give you the reward of better customer service. And you know, I would say that's the big thing. It's cliched, but really try to give the best customer service you can. Try to be overly delightful. I know that sounds crazy, but if someone hmm. messages you, try to really go out of your way and say, hey, it's great that you messaged me. You're going to have a great experience here on Fiverr. You're going to have a great experience with me. Let me know how I can help you versus, hey, how's it going? How can I help you? There's a big difference between the two. So long story short, I would say that those are, if you're just starting, that's probably the way to do it. And one last thing I'll throw in there, Preston, is if you are just starting, this isn't really for seasoned people, but if you're just starting or trying to get the ball rolling, there's a place called Buyer Requests. And it's a great way to go in there and just try to bid on various gigs that people are, like someone will say, I need a logo design or I need a video or I need a, uh, you know, a landing page design. You can go in and bid on that. And that's a good way to start getting the ball rolling if you're really struggling to kind of make your name on Fiverr. I love that. I think that's all great advice. I, you know, as, as more of an experiment than really like a long-term business uh, strategy, I tested out Fiverr just to see if I could offer some services and what would come of it, what I, what I could learn to share with the Milo audience or, or the podcast audience. And honestly, I could never get traction. So that last tip uh, of actually seeking out opportunities and as opposed to waiting for them to come to you, because again, you're competing against thousands, 
of, of freelancers in your same space offering similar products. It's hard to get a little bit of traction. So I love all of those. Exactly. Um, you know, regardless. One last thing. Oh yeah. Please. I can't. One, one, one last thing is I will say this and it just popped in my head is the other thing that strategy that I know new sellers have used is try to see if there's a service, someone else selling a service that's complementary to yours. So for mm. instance, for me, if I were just starting as a video editor, maybe I would contact, now you can't do this a lot or else you'll get flagged, but send two or three messages a day to, to other sellers who have complementary services. So if I'm a script writer or a video editor, I could send a message to a video spokesperson and say, I know that you guys get scripts all the time. If you need a script written, let me know. I'm just getting started on Fiverr, but here are some samples. So try to kind of build partnerships with not necessarily competitors, but with complementary services to your service. I like that. And I love how outside of the Fiverr marketplace, all of these pieces of advice can be extrapolated to just, you know, freelancing and marketing and networking and all of that as well. Like we've talked about these kinds of things on the show. Yes, they work inside of Fiverr and they also work outside of Fiverr, partnering with other people with complementary services, things like that. So anyway, Ron, thank you so much for that. I think I think for the listeners interested in giving Fiverr a shot or maybe another shot, uh, I think that'll be nice and helpful for them. Great. Glad I could, glad I could help. Yeah, absolutely. We may have to have you back for an even more in-depth uh, <laughs> conversation about Fiverr. Uh, I would love we'll, that. Yeah, yeah, great. We'll get we'll get a pulse from the the listeners and see if that would be something that would be helpful. Okay, let's let's talk now, Ron, a little bit more about uh, your business specifically in, in in terms of where you're headed. You know, listeners of the show, longtime listeners know that we have uh, a scale called the Freelancer to Founder Scale, which is what the concept of the show is based around. And everybody who comes on to the show, like you, Ron, um, for a coaching call, fills out a, a small questionnaire. And on the questionnaire, there's a, this scale where you you put where you're currently at, one being a freelancer, 10 being a founder. Um, and if you want to come on the show also, listeners, uh, like Ron is coming on today for a coaching call, we'd love to have you on for a 30, 35, 45-minute coaching call to help you overcome whatever hurdles you're facing in your freelance business. In fact, we have quite a few openings um, coming up here soon. So if you've been kind of on the fence about it, thinking about it, uh, now's the time to do it. Um, just visit freelance2founder.com. There's a little microphone button uh, in the top corner. You can click it. It'll show you exactly how you can join us on the show. We'd love to have you and give us give you just our best advice um, on how to scale your freelance business. It wasn't too painful, Ron, right? Filling out the questionnaire. No, and actually, it was very cathartic <laughs> in a way. It really helped me focus, and so it was it was a great experience, actually. Oh, good, great. Well, if you would like to uh, join us on the show, like Ron, we'd love to have you. Enough with that. Let's jump into your questionnaire here, Ron. You put that you currently are a one on the freelancer defender scale, so completely a freelancer. Um, and they, and then in the next six or twelve months, you'd like to be more at a five, which for me. Uh, I mean, it's right in the middle, I guess. I'm, I guess instead of for me, why don't you tell us, Ron, what in a perfect world in six or 12 months, what does your business look like in, in an ideal scenario? Sure. So I joked on the, the forum that I probably should have been labeled a zero versus a one. <laughs> right. um, and the reason why I say that is because Fiverr is very transactional. And for instance, is I never, I probably 99.99% I never see the customer. I never speak with them on the phone. I don't really consult mm, with them. Yeah. It's very transactional in nature. So I put myself as a one because it's 
it is that transactional in nature. I get a, let's say a question, how much do you charge? Here's my script, can you do it? I message them back and I send them an offer and who knows how much the offer is. They'll accept the offer or not. And then if they accept the offer, I do the work within a certain period of time, I deliver it and that's it. They, I have a, a, a large contingent of repeat buyers, but if they don't come back, they disappear. I have no idea how the video performed. Mm. I have no idea why it was used. So it's very transactional. Now, five, what I would like to do in probably 12 months is I would like to be, in terms of all my revenue, I would like 50% to be from Fiverr. I don't want to get rid of it just yet, but 50% Fiverr, 50% off Fiverr. And the off Fiverr component, I really want to start working with, you know, building the business, building my agency, um, working with clients. And I really get a lot out of a lot of satisfaction and a lot of enjoyment working with clients in terms of coaching them on you know, how they should be using video and why they should be using it and you know, constructing the video based on those requirements and really getting down and, and with them and, and working with them to create a great video so that the video just doesn't sit on a shelf somewhere and collect digital dust. But it's it's out there performing, it's getting leads, it's getting sales, it's educating mm. or whatever it might be. So that's where I see myself. And right now I do have one freelancer who is working for me. I do the spokesperson part. I do the customer service and all of that. And she does all of the editing, the video editing. I do some of the complex oh, editing, it. but she does she does the simple editing. So, you know, so technically I guess I'm a one because I do have one freelancer, but you know. <laughs> Stage five, I would think that I would have, you know, maybe two or three contractors who are working with me to build out these, you know, some maybe someone who does the administrative, someone who does the video editing, whether it's mm -hmm. a you know, whether spokesperson or any other kind of editing. And then I would be more focused on the business development, the selling, the working with clients, the the strategy day-to-day -day types of things, building out the sales funnel, all the customer service and, and that type of thing. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I do have one clarifying question, though. I think this sounds like a great vision and a great direction. When you say you want to go 50% Fiverr, 50% off Fiverr in the next 6 or 12 months, do you picture your off Fiverr business growing so fast that it matches your Fiverr revenue? Or do you picture your Fiverr revenue coming down a bit? Uh, I guess, is your overall gross going to stay the same and you're going to reduce your Fiverr work? Or, or how do you kind of picture that is my question. Yeah, that's actually a good question. When I always thought 50-50, I never thought about it like that. But if I, I guess if I were pushed to make a decision, I probably would reduce the amount of Fiverr work and then concentrate more on the the off Fiverr type of work. Yeah. So I would say from a from a revenue and work standpoint, I probably would maybe increase my prices on Fiverr so that I don't mm -hmm. get as many orders and I could focus more on the client development of the off yeah. Fiverr activities. Yeah, that way you can still maintain a decent amount of revenue on Fiverr, but you have less work, uh, potentially. Exactly. So that you have you exactly. some time. I like that plan. So, so let's um let's let's get Chelsea involved here because I think this is going to be uh really where she is going to shine. <laughs> we've we've been uh, just she's been quietly waiting to I know I've just drop some knowledge bombs. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, I, I guess what what Ron tell us what hurdles you're facing. Uh, and then let's let's have Chelsea maybe attack the first hurdle and tell us what she's been hearing as well. Okay, so I would say the first hurdle is not knowing exactly what to do off Fiverr. 
And I say that because right now I'm doing spokesperson work. And honestly, it's one of those things like I enjoy doing it, but it's, I don't know if I can really do it off Fiverr and make a living from it. I would rather be a video agency. And I have some specifics of what that means. And we can kind of dive into that a little deeper, but I really want to, I guess, I don't know what I want to do off Fiverr. I have some ideas, but I've tried other things and they never quite worked out. So I'm kind of stuck on what exactly to do and how to test to see if there's a market for a specific service. And like I said, I've got like two different services I'm thinking of and we can delve into that. But I don't mm. know if those are good services, if there's a market for it. Um, one of the examples has been battle tested. It's a friend of mine has used me for his videos and sales pursuits and they've worked extremely well. His conversion rate is 100% for you know responding to RFP and getting fairly large business from from not just the video, but his sales endeavors. So yeah, I'd say the first hurdle is how do I know what to do and how do I know if it's marketable? Yeah. Chelsea, what are you hearing over there? Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Well, I'm hearing a couple of different things, but to address his most recent question, like how to choose what to do, um, you know, that's the million dollar question, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so you can... You had this idea for the videos for RFPs, which you mentioned earlier as well. Um, I don't remember if it was before we started recording or if it was at the beginning of the podcast, but you mentioned like 
liking that and wanting to do that. Uh, so I think one thing, I think that would be a great service to start offering, especially if you already have an example that you can show people and you worked with a buddy to do it and he's getting these amazing results. Like you can definitely showcase that you can start putting out um, some content around that stuff in the marketing that you'll do, which we can obviously get to in a minute because you're wanting to go off of Fiverr. So we can talk about that. Um, but yeah, another thing that I have seen is that you don't always necessarily have to get so caught up on the exact service that you're going to offer because you know, if people see your stuff and they see that you do a good job on your stuff, they'll get in touch with you even if they want something different. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, that, that does make sense. And that's what, and I kind of, and ch- the challenge is I keep hearing, you know, you probably have heard it, the riches are in the niches. So I've kind of figured out that, that hyper niche, but at the same time, I'm not going to turn down someone who says, you know, I see you do these things and I see you've been successful with it, but could you do a video for my website and my, you know, to, to advertise my lawn service? I'm going to say yes to it as long as, you know, it's, it's worth the, the time and money and all of that kind of stuff. So I, def- I definitely see what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think like you mentioned, wanting to do more consulting and actually working with a client too. And I think um, that will just come naturally as a part of having a process. Like if you set up an onboarding process of bringing people in, you'll definitely have calls with people so you can consult and see what needs to be done. And that, and that makes sense. And that's exactly right. That's what I really love to do. It's that consulting side. And I see that that's also the value add to everything because there's so many ways that people can get videos online these days. Mm-hmm. And where I think I might differentiate myself is it's not just you tell me what to do and I do it, but I sit down with your sales force. I sit down with you know, your sales team and I understand, okay, what are you trying to sell to this client? Uh, what are their needs? What are you trying to propose? And then working with them and showing them exactly what's possible and then delivering them the video based specifically on their needs that they need not just what they think they might need, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, we, I did a, an interview not long ago with a, a guy named Rob Allen, um, and he's a copywriter as well, like Chelsea. And he, um, he used our service Solid Gigs to find a few clients. And he had, a, he had an amazing close rate with, with clients on Solid Gigs, like higher than most of our other users. And so I wanted to chat with him about what he was doing. And he said that, uh, you know, where most of our users, honestly, uh, most freelancers kind of take this route where they just like say, here's who I am, here's what I do. Instead, he took the approach of saying like, here's who I am and what I do, but here's how it impacts your bottom line, right? And then and then clients now all of a sudden were, were looking at him as uh, an expert, a consultant, instead of just someone who can write. You know what I mean? And so, and it's the same thing you're saying mm-hmm. here, Ron, like, you want your clients to look at you as someone who can strategize, who can consult, who can give them ideas, who can help them reach their goals. Oh, and the way you do that is typically through video. Not, I'm a video guy, uh, hire me to do videos. The other conversation this reminds me of, uh, if you haven't listened to this one, Ron, I would suggest it. And for the listeners as well, is an interview we did, Clay and I did with Matt Essam. He's a freelance coach. And he, the whole topic of our conversation was how to get clients to treat you like a partner instead of an employee. And I'll link to that in the show notes and send you that via email, Ron, after we're done on our call here. But it was a great conversation about, um, yeah, 
framing yourself as an expert or as, as someone, a strategist, someone who's invested in their results, uh, as opposed to just someone who's interested in completing a job and getting a, a check or whatever from the client. So those, those are yeah, both helpful sounds, and a good way to frame that, that kind of, kind of concern, you know? Exactly. That's actually, the, I'll, I'll look forward to that in the email because that's exactly what I want to be. It's more of a partner with them, a trusted partner mm-hmm. versus just a guy who does video. <laughs> yeah. Chelsea, I know you've been able to do that with your clients where they, they trust you with strategy and, and things like that. I mean, what advice do you have for Ron in terms of going from just, just I mean, just a freelancer, yeah. I shouldn't say it that way, but you know, uh, uh, someone who gets the work done versus someone who helps strategize in the work. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, actually, for me, from what I found, it all boils down to, like you mentioned, Preston, like sort of how you present yourself and the first impressions that you give a client or a potential client, like when someone reaches out to you, or if you're using a job board or something, but typically like the ideal of getting into like the more agency model is to have people coming to you. So when people come to you, not just saying, oh yeah, I can do this. This is how much it costs. When do you want to start? Which is like what most freelancers, I mean, you know, it might sound better than that, but that's in a <laughs> that's nutshell, the essence of it, yeah. <laughs> that's what they do. Instead of responding, instead of that, like responding immediately with a more consultative approach, like, oh, yes, I can definitely do this. I've helped, you know, so and so do this. We got this result. But and then and then responding with some questions. One, you need to get on a call with them. I think that's really important, especially for bigger projects Mm. like for Fiverr. Um like Ron said, it's very transactional. So it might be smaller projects and getting on a call might just be a waste of time, which is fine. Like all models are different, but when you're wanting to do more consultative work and work on bigger projects with people, like you have to talk to them before you get them to sign these contracts for like $10,000 or $15,000 or whatever the cost is, you know? Um, so one you're telling them like, yes, let's get on a call, but to make the most of our time on the call, can you tell me some of these things? And like, just get some information. Like, why do you want to do this project? What's your goal with it? What else do you have going on? Like maybe ask them about deadlines, if that is relevant to what you're doing. Just get some basic information. So when you get on the call, you can just dive right in and you have questions that you're ready to ask them. So you are showing up as the expert rather than like scheduling a call because sometimes a client will get in touch and be like, hey, let's set up a call for tomorrow at two. And you're like, okay. And then you jump on the call and it's like a job interview. You know, they're drilling you with questions. And And those calls are terrible. Yes. (laughs) They are. (laughs) (laughs) They're drilling you with questions and you don't have a chance to show off your expertise or to really show them what's possible because they already have in their mind what they want to ask you. So when you get that information, you can just, I mean, you can really just take command of the call from the get-go and, you know, I want, like you're taking the command of the call, but you're getting them to do most of the talking to give you the information so you can properly consult and give them some options then in a proposal. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the way I see it. Does that answer it for you? Yeah. yeah and I, I would say just to add to that, like it can be very tempting to go in and talk about the technical aspect of the work. 
So you might go in in your situation, Ron, and say like, okay, where, you know, where are you hoping to share this? And what size should the video be? And how long do you think it should be? And will there be people in it? Do you have the music for it? Like there, there can be lots of technical aspects of particularly of creative work. I know we have a lot of creative people listening. Um, you might be tempted to go in and start with those kinds of like, what are you looking for in terms of the technical aspects of it? But I think if you go in and say, what are you looking for in terms of results? Um, then that that can frame the entire rest of your relationship to where you're the you're the person who cares about results and if and if for some reason uh you know a square video is going to get them 10, 10 times the results even though creatively they would rather have a rectangular video uh then it's a lot easier down the road than to have those technical and creative conversations where you say okay I know you want a rectangular video but research shows that a square video performs better and so we're going to, I'm going to recommend that we do a square video, right? And, and then they take your recommendation because you started off coming in asking about their bottom line instead of asking about the technical aspects of it. Yeah, that, that actually makes a lot of sense because one of the things, if you've ever heard of the author Stephen Covey, he's, or Covey Covey, mm -hmm. he says, yeah. always begin with the end in mind. So it's almost as if you're talking to the client, the prospective client asking, okay, so what is it exactly do you want to achieve with this video? You know, is it to... You know, is it to cut cost? Is it to educate? Is it to drive revenue? Is it to increase sales? Or you're getting more to the what's it going to do for them versus, like you said before, Preston, all of the other you know technical aspects of things. You know, so what? How you know how big is it? Do you want people in it? That type of thing. And also, you know, it's asking questions about okay, so let's say this RFP process, and they engage me to talk about building a video to, you know, really communicate the RFP in a one to three minute video. It's okay. So what's your sales process look like now? You know, what's, what is it? How do you communicate this with clients? What if there's someone who it has to go to an upper management and the RFP is 150 pages thick? Do you send that to them? Do you send them a PowerPoint? What's the best? So you're, you're just by being on a call, even if it's a sales call, you're more or less being a consultant to them would set you apart from, hey, you got a video, send me mm. the script and I'll get it mm -hmm. done for you. Yeah. Yeah, you're working together as a team, right? Where you're helping make the important decisions about, about the results that the client will get. I love that. Exactly. Well, Ron, I think this has been good. Uh, what, what other maybe hurdles or questions do you have uh, that Chelsea and I can help you with? Sure. I would say the next one, of course, this is the, the you know, the, I guess the, the the big question is with this specific this specific service, it's going out to salespeople, sales agencies, and talking to them and trying to, you know, to to show them that a video is a great way to differentiate yourself from the competition, to really communicate to the client, to condense that dense RFP into something simple so it can be sent around to upper management who doesn't want to see a 150-page RFP. The problem I see it is that it's one of those things that most salespeople don't even know it's, it exists. They may, not even know, they may not even know they need it, but if they saw it, they would, be, they would beat a path to the door asking for mm. it. So I guess one way is how to not necessarily market, but communicate that effectively. And I know, you know perhaps it's delving into my current you know, base of people that I know, my current network. Um, that type of thing. But beyond that, is there anything else you could suggest to really kind of market this kind of service or to get it out there and putting out content and is, I'm just going to spit out social media. Is LinkedIn the best way? Is it Facebook? Mm -hmm. Is it, mm -hmm. you know, is it doing, you know, pay-per-click ads? There's so many things. And this is where I get kind of 
confused and I get there's so many options out there, I yeah. kind of shut down and say, I'm not going to do any of it because I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, I have, I have a few thoughts and then we'll toss it over to Chelsea. Um, I think this is a, a very common issue. My first thought... Um, my first thought, though, is a concern that I maybe have with the product offering, and that is if if people don't know that they need it, uh, it's not that you can't sell it, right? The famous, almost cliche at this point, Steve Jobs thing is like um, that he he basically built things that he knew people wanted, but they didn't know they needed until they saw that or something like that. It was much more eloquent, but... Uh, but basically, you know, people didn't know they needed an iPhone until he invented the iPhone or whatever. And so... Uh, you know, there is definitely like, there is definitely opportunity when when something is new or or different or um, not what people are typically looking for to solve their problem. But there's also like an added level of sales and marketing that that can be really difficult because first you have to convince them that they want it, and then you have to convince them to buy it from you. As opposed to if they already want it, then you just have to convince them that you are the best option, right? So there are going to be some hurdles that you face just convincing people in the first place that this is even a thing that they should be paying for. Is that True. that? Am I hearing that concern correctly? Exactly. That's a concern. And yeah. while you were talking, I thought about, is there then something that's a lower hanging fruit that I could offer to get my, mm-hmm. I guess, my services in the door where they know they need a video, and I'm just spitballing here, they know they need a video for X, Y, and Z. They may not know they need it for their um, their RFPs and their sales presentations and that type of thing, but they know they need it for their website or for whatever it might mm-hmm, be. Mm-hmm. Kind of, Is there kind of a low-hanging fruit to just get in the door, and then while I'm there, I hate to use the term upsell, but upsell them to yeah. the next higher level. And there might be, to me though, those solve such different problems that I'm not sure the segue is is clear enough to make sense. You know what I mean? Like it's not natural. In, yeah. Yeah. In the one case, you might be talking like to the marketing team, and on the other case, you might be talking to, you know, a sales team or a management team uh, who's looking who's, who's sending out an RFP. I I wonder. Um, I wonder though if like, you know, it's not it's not impossible to convince people of something they don't know that they want. It, you just have to, I think, get really clear and succinct on the messaging like like what would be really in 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 my opinion what would be really perfect would be like a statistic that's like um paper rfps get you know or video rfps get a hundred times more candidates or get um or find you know their candidate 10 days faster or whatever like if you could figure out some statistic maybe by experimenting with a few clients um for a little cheaper or some way to like measure some data and and include that in your marketing like that I think could be an interesting way to go but but I I think you just have to be aware there is going to be that double level of marketing and sales you have to first convince them that it's a good idea and then second convince them that you are the right fit for it um I forgot what my other point was I've been talking too long Chelsea have you what are, <laughs> what are you uh <laughs> I'm sure you've been taking notes over there what have you got to offer Yeah, well, just as far as getting clients, like that's one of the things I really like to really dive into with people. And I, like you mentioned some social media networks, Ron, and I am such a huge fan of LinkedIn just because it's so easy to gain traction over there. It's very easy to share content. Um, And I have a resource on like, you know, the more in-depth stuff that I can send you because that would be too much (laughs) to go over and the... Sure. time we have left. Um, but yeah, like 
like what Preston was mentioning about like selling products that people don't know that they need. So when you want to, like you want to start getting leads from off of Fiverr. I was thinking, cause listening, listening to you kind of got flooded my head with ideas, which is yeah. maybe it's, it's, you know, right now I have, you know, a ton of contacts, you know, I've, luckily I've been for the past six months trying to nurture LinkedIn. I haven't posted anything, but I've been trying to nurture it, getting mm-hmm. uh, recommendations and those kinds of things. So I was thinking that if if it could be a matter of education where it's putting out content talking about kind of to dovetail what Preston said was, yeah. you know, if I could find a statistic on the use of video versus paper RFPs or using video in uh, in high project on high value projects, a hundred plus thousand dollars or more, and start putting out content and then educating people about it. And then of course, Mm-hmm. going out and trying to, you know, to invite members to, 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 what's it called? It's not called friend. I can't remember what it's called. You don't friend a people connection. on LinkedIn. Connection. <laughs> to connect with, connect with people who are in my target market and then start to kind of educate them passively through my feed. And get, mm-hmm. I, I even go, go live a few times. I'm good on video. So while you were talking about that, I'm thinking that might be yeah. a good way to just start the education process. Well, I have a question then, because I was looking at your LinkedIn profile before this, and I saw that you didn't really have a lot of activity. Like you did something like two weeks ago and one month ago, but like, how have you been nurturing it? So (laughs) good question. Uh, By nurture, I meant I am making connections on LinkedIn with... with different people that I know who are second, second tier, third tier, as well as for clients who I've had either on Fiverr or off Fiverr, asking them to write a recommendation and to, uh, what's it called? Gotcha. Uh, to validate the skills that I have to, to say mm, that I'm yeah. good at spokesperson, I'm good at video marketing. So I'm, that's what I mean by validating. Like for instance, six months ago, I had zero recommendations. Now I have 18. And so, okay. but, but I think, uh, Chelsea, you're right. I have to start putting stuff out there because that's the only way it's actually going to work. Yeah, so yeah. you're really building up your profile and it feels like the next step is is the nurturing, which is like connecting with people, offering value to people, posting things that are of value to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll say like one of the best ways to get eyes to your own content when you start sharing it, and you could start like even sharing more generic content just about videos and videos helping people sell things rather than this one specific thing. That's up to you, of course. But um, as an example, like there's a guy who is a freelance writer that I've been connected with for years and he started just as a generic freelance writer and eventually just only got into the place of only doing case studies and grew this huge agency business just around case studies. Um, So it's possible, but you may may need some um, ramp up time, but like to get eyes to your content, the best, best way to do it is to actually just engage on other people's stuff that's already coming through your feed. So you don't have to put as much pressure on yourself to, you know, create this amazing, cool video that because you haven't been very active on LinkedIn only then gets like five views, you know? So, um, so Chelsea, are, are you, are you telling me to get off Facebook and stop arguing about politics and go to yes. LinkedIn? <laughs> well, yes. you know, you Please can do, do whatever anyway. you want to on Facebook, yes. but like, I am telling you like linked, I am saying in my own experience and with clients I've worked with, like LinkedIn is a really great way to ramp something up in a number of months. 
um, as far as getting in leads and referrals that you can start using and sort of like if you set up an onboarding process of someone becoming an interested lead into a client that you can start leading people through that and start, you know, balancing your revenue more from Fiverr to off Fiverr clients. Yeah. And that's actually, I, I know we weren't going to pivot to a LinkedIn conversation, but actually this is extremely helpful because the more I think about it is, and what you just said, Chelsea, uh, speaks volumes in terms of how can I add value to all of the people that are posting on LinkedIn? Is there a way I can add value, whether or not it's video related or not, but at least they see that I'm trying to add value, I'm adding mm -hmm. to the conversation, which helps them in their business. So if I start putting out content, they'll recognize my name from the, the comments that I have made or the, the, the value added comments or whatever else it might be that I put onto their LinkedIn post. Right. Yeah. And LinkedIn, like most people on LinkedIn are friendly and like, you know, it's you get out of the platform what you put into it, which is like true for any marketing method. But, you know, you have a business to business service. So that's why I mentioned LinkedIn. Um, but yeah. Sure. And last question I have regarding and this and Chelsea, since you're you kind of started to talk about LinkedIn, what's your what's your feeling on I guess, connecting with people who you don't know, let's say maybe a second level connection is one thing, but let's right. say they're third level or you don't know them, but they seem to be in your target. What's your feeling on connecting with them? Because sometimes sending a blind connection feels a little odd, but yeah. do you have any strategies there? Um, well, my biggest thing with LinkedIn is to always try to start conversations and to always try to keep conversations going. So if you send a connection request, like some people are very precious and only want to like accept people that they know. Um, but if you send a connection request, send a note with it and not, you know, not one of those like copy and paste here, I'm here to sell you on a service kind of notes. Um, no, not like because that. <laughs> those, those get deleted, but just something like you're looking over your profile, you find something cool. That's interesting. It's really not something you have to overthink like, Oh, I saw you went to like this school or whatever, like something casual. So it's, low risk and you can just kind of get into conversation with them. And then maybe over the course of like a couple of weeks or a month, you know, you're casually sending messages back and forth and that can lead to something or a referral or just a really great business connection. I would say just always send a message. Like I always even send messages after I accept someone's request just to see if there's something there. Um, but yeah. So it's, so it's connection with, yeah, I was going to say, so it's connect with them have a conversation, notice something in their profile that might be that you have in common or that they're struggling with or they're whatever it might be. And then just say, it'd be great to connect and then continue the conversation, but don't start going down the sales process because I have people do that to me and it's just so distasteful. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to selling on LinkedIn, my rule of thumb is to only bring up your services when it would make, like if you were having the same conversation with a friend, um, to only bring that up when you would do that with a friend, like, oh, well, you need that. Well, I actually have this thing that can help you, you know? Um, yeah, that, that makes complete sense. So yeah, that was, that, that's, the, those are great examples. I appreciate it. I didn't think we'd be talking about LinkedIn, but I think it's given me the motivation to, to start really getting into LinkedIn and start using it for mm. what it's supposed to be used for. Yeah, and I think you can even start having those conversations before you make a connection with someone. Like that's what I like about LinkedIn is Facebook tends to be a little more closed unless you're connected with someone, you don't see a lot of their stuff. 
LinkedIn tends to be a little more open. And so like, you know, if there's someone posting, you know, you can, you can also, I know Chelsea on a previous episode, we talked about following hashtags in your industry. And so you can also search through hashtags. You can join conversations. After you've joined a few hashtag conversations, um, LinkedIn will start sending you emails about interesting content in those same uh, industries or in those same hashtags. And then you can join those conversations as someone who knows what they're talking about. And after a while, you start to become a familiar face in in certain industries or certain hashtags or certain niches. And, and then when the connection request comes through, it's like, oh yeah, I've seen Ron around. I've heard, I like that comment he made the other day, or, you know, I've seen his face, he looks familiar. And it's a lot, it's a, it's a lot higher likelihood that they'll actually accept that connection. So I think um, anything you can do to kind of uh, set your expertise and warm up a, a relationship before you make the actual official connection can be helpful as well, depending on what direction you want to go with it. That's not, that's, I forgot about hashtags. So yeah. um, Chelsea, and I, not to put you on the spot, but did you say you had that's a resource? Okay. Could, could you put yeah. that in the show notes or something? Um, yeah, I can send it to Preston. I also sent you a connection request on LinkedIn while we were chatting. Oh, cool. So I can send it to you there too. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Cause I think it'd be good. I mean, it's one of those resources that I know what it does, but like you just said, Preston hashtags. And I was like, I didn't even think of that. And I also know mm. there are groups out there and, and everything. Yeah. So it's a, I'm totally underutilized resource resource on my end. Yeah. And I think, you know, coming back to one other thing you said before, which is like, I don't even really know what to offer. And this is maybe coming full circle. Um, you know, you have this idea of this thing you want to offer. You don't know if there's really demand for it, but you think that once people see it, there will be demand for it. In the meantime, like you could be making connections on LinkedIn and become, you know, the video strategy guy um, or, or just, or, you know, the, the, I mean, I don't, obviously, however you want to frame yourself, but you could be the video strategy guy. And then you could just start seeing what people reach out to you for. Um, a, a guest and former uh, co-host and good friend of mine, on, on this show, Bobby Macy has done that a little bit. He just kind of offered all content marketing, video, written, design, whatever. And, and he just became like the go-to content marketing guy for people. And so every time someone posts on LinkedIn or Facebook, hey, I need, a, I need help with content marketing, people tag Bobby and then Bobby takes it from there. But after a while, it was like, um, it was like more people were asking him for more video work and he enjoyed more video work. And so he started to do almost almost all video work um, as opposed to like offering every little thing. And so I think n- niching down too early can be dangerous uh, because you don't know exactly what your clients want from you. Um, and so in that journey to like find your niche, you can, you can start on LinkedIn by just, again, being part of those conversations. And then people will naturally reach out to you and say like, how do you do this? Or how can I solve this? Or do you know how to do this? Or do you know anyone that offers this? And you can start to see what people are actually looking for. And that can pair pair nicely with um, your other offering that you're going to have to do a little bit more convincing and selling up front. No, that makes complete sense. I love it. I'm taking furious notes. Thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, we're about out of time, Ron. We maybe have, I don't know, three or four minutes here left. Is there anything we've left off the table you wanted to bring up before we wrap it up? No, I wish I did. I mean, you guys have covered everything and it went down a path. I didn't think it was going to go down, but it was actually a helpful path. And I think I'm going to start to get on LinkedIn and 
uh, Chelsea, I'll accept that connection and you can see all the stuff that I do. And you could actually hold me accountable. <laughs> Send me a message in like a week <laughs> and say, I haven't seen anything, Ron. What are you doing? <laughs> okay, I'll beat you up if I don't see anything. <laughs> yes, yes, please do. <laughs> well, good, Ron. Uh, I'm excited that you're like taking action already. That's what this show and these coaching calls are all about, in my opinion, is just like helping you get to the next step. So I'm glad it's been helpful. We really appreciate you taking the time. Also, a huge thanks to Chelsea. Chelsea, tell everyone where they can find you, uh, learn more about you. Where's the best place to connect? Yeah, so the best place is either my website, getgepcoffeepower.com or at getcoffeepower on Instagram. Um, There's my stuff there on the Copy Power website. There is a free copy handbook. So if you're interested in writing better website copy, or really social media copy that converts really well, you can check that out. It's a free resource. Awesome. Perfect. And Ron, we're going to link to your Fiverr account as well so people can take a look at that from our conversation earlier. Is there anything else you'd like us to, to share with the listeners? Uh, no. And if anyone has any questions about Fiverr, you know, they ha- they'll have my account. So feel free to, to ask away. I always like talking cool. about it. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys. Very much appreciated. It's been a great show. Thanks, Preston. Thanks, Chelsea. Okay. You're take welcome. Care. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of the Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at freelancetofounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time. See ya.